0: Conrad, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. I'm. I'm glad we're making this happen, and you're you're making it happen in your busy schedule. Um,
1: it's it's been a back and forth. We we both have a little chaos in our lives.
0: <laughs> no, I appreciate the flexibility, man, and super excited to pick your brain a little bit. Start off just by telling me who you are and what you're passionate about.
1: Oh, uh, my passions run deep, but uh, I guess what I most known for is my passion to have people have a better relationship with their body and the way i do that is through movement movement and strength Uh, i use the words movement and strength interchangeably um despite the fact that uh what, what i jokingly call the fitness industrial complex they love to categorize everything and so you know strength and and cardio and mobility these are all little categories that they want to sell us to me, it's all just uh, one big relationship with our body, and uh, I've been exploring that for myself and teaching it to others for 27-ish years, I think, and uh, that's that's my current journey. I don't have a set base. I just travel the country, and I teach and film and connect with people like you, and uh, that's sort of my jam right now.
0: Yeah, that's how I first heard about you through Daniel Spencer, who was on the Adventure Creator podcast. I actually was in person with him, and he spoke very highly of you. And um, he's one of the co-founders of Salus, which is an AF, it's called AFA. They they have a bunch of great products, um, namely being I- there. Yeah.
1: I triple dog dare you to try to pronounce what AFA actually stands for.
0: I can't even do it. I joke when I, I show people the product. I'm like, you try and pronounce it because I sure yep. can't. <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> There's lots of videos of me trying to do it and I, I fail miserably. That's funny. Yeah, one of the things that, you know, jumping right in, like, uh, I've been on this journey similar to you where... We're learning about this relationship to our body through mistakes, through injuries, you know, <laughs> learning what's not what not to do. And I've had a bit of a shift from thinking about fitness as mainly what you do in that hour or two in the gym to more of a holistic movement practice is the term that I've kind of been gravitating towards is thinking about. Sure. Like right now, I'm standing at my desk because it's if I was sitting all day, it would that's, you know, you're always constructing your body, I think is Aaron Alexander's comment or, or quote. And, um, yeah, talk to me about how you really fell down this road and, and how'd you get started learning about this? It's, maybe a little bit about how it's transformed your approach to this over the years.
1: Oh, tra- yeah, the, the transformation is, has been big. I started like a lot of people started and, and maybe you started as well. I was uh, a, a smaller guy who wanted to get bigger. Because yep. that's what you know. I grew up in the I grew up in the '70s and the '80s. This, that was um, uh, the macho world, and so you know, I, I associated, I, I was drilled that you know somehow muscles equaled manliness or something like that, and so that's not true. I, I, was, I was
0: always thought that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, there's other options.
1: Let's just put it that way. Absolutely. So, you know, after being bombarded for decades with Schwarzenegger and, and, and Stallone and all that, uh, the skinny little me in my 20s, I thought, well, I'm going to put some muscle on. It took a very short period of time to realize that A, I'm not ever going to put on a ton of muscle, I'm never going to be a super big. And, but B, that's not what it's about. Uh, somehow, thankfully, despite all the, the propaganda of the media in the 70s and 80s, there is my parents. And other wise people in the background in my head saying you know what you're different you're, you're better than the superficial you. you there's there's more depth to you and therefore i started thinking about it there's more depth to strength there's more depth to ability um, and therefore there's more depth to this concept of fitness like you said it's not just that hour in the gym in fact what the big switch eventually became was that the hour in the gym is simply to give us the ability to have A movement and strength practice so the gym is not the entirely the the entirety the the completion the the complete packet what am I trying to say you know what I'm
0: saying The gym is not
1: our movement practice (laughs) the gym is just giving us the foundation to go have a movement practice so what I want to do in the gym is train to be able to go then do so I tell people you know I don't live for the gym I use the gym to go live and it's a big difference from what we're taught right now. Uh, every every gym, uh, their their programming and their and their, and their conceptuality seems to be get better at doing that workout, whatever you know it is. CrossFit, yoga, powerlifting, whatever category, whatever box that that the people are investing in by going to that particular gym, um, they seem to want you to just get better at that. There are no guarantees at all. Just sort of a wink, wink. Maybe this will happen that you'll get better at life because of it. And so some, yeah, somewhere in my, in my early on in my training career, as I became, became a personal trainer, I realized I I don't want to get people better being in the gym, nor myself. I want to get the heck out of the gym. This is just to get the heck out of the gym and go live an actual life.
0: Right. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. Like I recently moved, and I've also gotten into bouldering in the last couple of years. And mm. I don't really care how much weight I can lift in the gym, but I do care, can I lift a couch with my girlfriend and get it up the stairs or something functional like that? And then I'm like, oh, it's nice that I have these this grip strength, um, core strength, more connection to my entire body because I'm doing more bouldering, which is like a full body dynamic movement. Um, I wanted to... What do I got here? I got. I wanted to ask you about moss wrestling, like right off the bat, because <laughs> I just think it's so cool—the Siberian sport that you've been posting a lot about lately. Also, by the way, great YouTube channel. Uh, highly recommend everybody going over there and checking out some of your content because it's like unlike any fitness coach or trainer that I've ever seen. Just your approach to going in the forest, carrying logs around, all types of stuff like that. Talk to me about you know moss wrestling and why that plays into. This entire concept.
1: It's it's sort of funny that here I am talking about not being in the gym and going and living this fuller life of movement, and then I practice this kind of ridiculous sport called <laughs> moss wrestling. Um, moss is uh, it's from Yakuts in Russia, like you said, Siberia. It's the it's Yakuts Russia is is not they don't consider themselves really that Russian. They're they're different. They're much more Asian looking. They have more connection with say Mongolia or China than they would with Russia. Um, And they have a a really wonderful lifestyle up there. It's the coldest place in the world where people permanently live. And so from that comes sports that can be done inside. And in this case, it's two people Sounds ridiculous. Two people doing a seated tug-of-war, basically. <laughs> um, it is, it, it, if you step back and take the seriousness from it, it is a very playful sport. But it's an incredibly intense and sort of brutal playful sport. Um, even though it's uh, there, there is no hurting the other person, there's no attacking or fighting the other person. You're both fighting for the same object. And so there's a lot of uh, strategy. It just looks like two people deadlifting against each other. Um, And that's what people think of it when they sit down to the board for the first time. They think, I'm just going to pull the heck out of this person and try to get the stick away from them. Uh, But it turns out that it's a lot more, I would say, jujitsu-y than that. You want to always be planning your moves because there's a lot of movement. There's a lot of uh, strategy. There's three things you're always trying to do. You're trying to break a grip or pull them over into the board or uh, outmaneuver them, be able to move all over the board. So you're going to be gripping or you're going to be pulling or you're going to be moving basically it's a combination of all three it's uh it's not for everybody because it does It's it's a rounded back twisting deficit deadlift that's actually trying to fight back so it's all the stuff you're not supposed to do when you're lifting as a sport so how amazing is that
0: it looks pretty intense for sure and when you see a smaller guy going like I think I saw a video of you going up against somebody probably 50 60 pounds bigger than you and yeah, out gone. maneuvering them through technique similar to jujitsu as you mentioned yeah. but yeah how does that how does that apply? I mean what are some of the ways that you coach are you so you're coaching as well as competing or yeah what's yeah. your life I, I teach
1: workshops and I've coached a lot of people in the past. I say a lot of people it's a fringe sport it really is a niche sport there's not a lot of people in america that do it Um, i was lucky enough to be part of team usa um, for many years and uh, i still coach under the banner of them um i've been to russia to compete in it several times and so it's the thing about it is that it, it takes everything that you're supposed to be getting better at in the gym anyway basically the big ones posterior chain strength for instance um and and flexibility it takes um the flexibility and and power of the entire backside of the body uh you add grip to that and then you have these uh things that we're supposed to always be training to be better at anyway you know so it it, in some ways it blends right in with strength or power training if you're already doing that type of training uh, but then you have to add some sort of athleticism and maneuverability to it and you got to really open up those hamstrings that's where everybody's in troubles the big guys pop hamstrings left and right because they're tight so if I sit down at a board with somebody who's 50 pounds heavier than me I'm going to try to move a lot because I know they're going to out me but mm-hmm. they're also going to be really tight so if mm-hmm. I can move that's going to play against their their uh, mobility and I can hopefully break them that way.
0: speaking of hamstring i blew my hamstring out super badly running a 40 yard dash in college after i hadn't sprinted in years we were doing this combine college dorm event and i popped my hammy and that was probably one of the first times where i was in i had like a long-term thing i had to deal with i also was in a car accident that taught me a lot about taking care of my spine spine health um but what are people doing wrong in in the gym in life? Like what are some of your clients or the people that you see in 2022 that where people are falling into the wrong movement practice or just doing things that are counterproductive?
1: This is this is a really big question because it starts not with the movements or the exercises with themselves, but with the concept of not having any purpose. People go to the gym and they don't actually have a purpose. They might have goals, but Uh, The one thing uh, you can learn as a trainer, if you keep the eyes open, is that most people who go to a gym actually don't know how to set goals because we can only set goals based on our experiences. And so if the only experience you have with fitness is what the uh, industry tells you, what media and marketing have told you are supposed to be your goals, which is what aesthetic usually, it's the the mirror and the scale, um, then those are going to be your goals. When in reality, if you're going to create a better relationship with your body, then we better start talking purpose. And it's really interesting how little purpose is seen in the fitness world these days. I think you can hear my dog barking big time. In the I background. thought that was
0: my girlfriend in the other room stacking the freezer with uh, <laughs> smoothie food. But um... there's, there's a great Dane outside barking right now. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I, per- I love that you're taking the, the conversation cookie. this
1: way. Yeah, that's that, it. I mean, if you don't have purpose, everything else doesn't matter, frankly. You're just wasting your time. Um, I like to say that there's four main things that uh, trainers should always be focusing on when they teach. And uh, it's uh, technique, uh, program design, um, uh, personality, and purpose. And only one of those is the super important one. The other three, we can, vary, we can all have variables. We can all have uh, uh, differing ideas of how to approach it. But if you don't have that purpose, if you don't have the, the concept of why you're doing it, like truly why, a deep philosophy that you're building yourself, that's your fitness, your movement journey. If you don't have that, then what the heck are you doing? Um, and so, you know, I, yeah, I see a lot of trash in the gym in terms of movement and, and that sort of thing. But the biggest thing I see is a giant blanket of lack of why. Um, and so if you ask a gym about their philosophy, they're gonna spew tenets of fitness. Oh, well, we're trying to get you more mobile or more strong or whatever. We're trying to get you more fit, without ever explaining what the heck that actually is. You know, except for the the, the copy and the keywords that, that, that we hear all the time. You know, the general uh, marketing copy that's thrown out all the time. Yeah. And so the first thing I do with a client, and the first thing I do with my workshops, is I have people start defining what their purpose is. And there's a there's a very simple way of doing that. You can use the word. I, I like the word strength. Um, uh, you can basically strength and fitness for me are synonymous. Just like fitness and movement, are, or strength and movement are synonymous. By the way, here's my giant dog. Beautiful. She came in to say hi. So, so if I have if I want people to define it. Um, this is, by the way, a permanent journey. We should always be defining it. We should always you know, be uh, evolving our definition or, or just uh, adding to it. But uh, uh, what I, I do is I ask one simple question. And I say, I say, why is fitness or strength important to you? And once you start answering that question, you have your definition of what it is. Because when I talk fit, fitness, I'm not talking um, the body's ability to generate force, which is the basic physical definition of fitness. We use the word in a much more metaphysical way all the time. We often use in conversation or, or in philosophy a concept of strength that has nothing to do with physical. And so mm. strength training often might have nothing to do with physical, or at least is just creating a physical foundation for something much more metaphysical. And so if I ask you a question, what is uh, why is it important to you? As you start answering it, you start getting answers as to what it is. If you say, well, I want to be there for my family. Awesome guess what strength is? (laughs) If you say, I want to explore life in a much greater capacity, awesome, guess what strength is? And so uh, that is step one. Before we talk about what movements we're going to do, what exercises we're going to do, or what program we're going to do, where's this journey going to take us? And it's not something you have to do right away, but it's something you've got to start doing.
0: The first thing that comes to mind for me is I want to feel good. And from there, I want to perform well in the things that I want to perform well I'm not a professional athlete so for me sure. it's there's not a huge advantage for me to be incredibly uh you know I, it's not great I don't need to lift 400 pounds in the deadlift I need to be able to have focus during my work day and then be able to replicate that on a consistent basis and also as I'm 28 years old getting older uh learning about how to take care of the body as I as I kind of age is another huge thing and and I think fulfillment and mortality kind of come hand in hand because once you realize that this life is so short and that the physical body that we have is, it's very, um, what's the word, ephemeral or just short lived, you know, Every, you're constantly uh, changing. And so there's a, I think it was, uh, there's an author, his name's Sebastian Younger, and uh, he talks about you never really know what you're training for. He was a, he ran like a 420 mile and was a really great athlete. But then he found himself in the hospital with a blood clot or, or something. He had some type of like near-death experience. And the doctor basically told him, if you weren't as physically fit as you are, you wouldn't be around to take care of your, your family and your kids. So mm-hmm. when you have that lens, it's like, man, the stakes are high and uh, there's no messing around. So. Where, like what do your clients tend to say to you when you ask them about their purpose and and what they're looking for
1: initially uh, it it begins with well you mentioned the term feeling better yeah that right there is a is a great start but then you have to figure out well, what the hell does that mean yeah like what does it mean to feel better because I, I know so many people, And you've probably heard this and or maybe you've experienced this i still see it on my social media feed all the time and and my clients have always told me this they can force themselves to get to the workout because they know they're going to feel better at the end okay cool if that's what gets you to your training awesome how do we make that happen during how do we make the movement and and the pursuit of movement make you feel better during Because that's what we're trying to take to our movement practice outside of training, is that movement can be something that makes you feel better. Strength is something that makes you feel better. So uh, then we have to start defining, well, what the heck is it that feel better means? Uh, This, you know, we can go for layers and layers. Um, It comes down to a few things. Uh, For me, it's what I call the three P's. I have two lists of three P's, and this is the first list of three P's and it's provide protect and play for me all my training is geared towards those three things i want to provide for my tribe you know whoever that is the family that my neighbors my peer group my 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 country my planet whatever i want to protect them and i want to play with them and so when i talk about strength that's ultimately what i'm aiming for all my strength is to build the skills, I'll talk about skill training maybe in the future, because all my training is about building skills um, to then protect provider play. And I find that those are fairly universal categories, but other people might have different things. Uh, perform is another one, like you even talked about that. If you are an athlete, whether you're competitive or not, and I think everybody who has a movement practice can consider themselves some form of an athlete, um, perform is a good one too. So. Uh, if you have those purposes, if you define what your purpose is, define what strength means through those purposes, um, then there's one more thing you have to do and you make sure that you're training within your value system. Uh, what is it that you value? If I if I asked a question to a gym, uh, I'm probably going to get things like, well, I value respect, I value appreciation, I value love. And then you watch... typical workout where they abuse the crap out of themselves uselessly for for high repetitions of just pound 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 or Mm. or uh you know something that's more abusive than respectful appreciative or loving then their training is not matching their value system and it's important to understand that suffering doesn't need to happen we don't need to suffer to get better struggle and 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 um Challenge, those are big. We always need challenge to create growth. No growth happens without challenge. But challenge and suffering are not synonymous. And as soon as we can understand that, we might embrace fitness or, or training or movement more. Because suffering right now, it's more being,
0: like – it's more passive. It's more like, oh, woe me, you know, versus struggling yeah, and, is like it's – you are struggling against something for a reason.
1: Yeah. But, but our culture seems to have this built-in – um, concept that the greater suffering equals the greater reward in, in our, in our politics, in our, in our, um, uh, work ethic, in our religions, everything comes down to that. And our fitness, uh, culture seems to reflect that people want to go through some sort of suffering because that's supposed to give them a better reward. And so when I see people talk about, Oh, I gotta go running today. I hate running. Why the hell are you running then? There's no reason to do that. If it, if it, if it is, uh, not fulfilling you in some way, don't do it. There's all sorts of these other things that can build the same foundations of, of awareness and, and, and uh, your, your body and, and strength and everything that, are, that you probably could enjoy more. You know, I, I saw there's a website called I Hate Burpees. Well, why the hell are you doing them then? Why are we suffering? Why are we giving ourselves movement as punishment? And I see that a lot in gyms where they actually punish people. Well, you're late. Go do 15 burpees. Okay. Mm. That's movement is punishment. That should never be the case. Movement is movement should be uh, celebration. And your value system, again, do we value punishing ourselves? Uh, okay. Some people probably do. Um, and some people probably pay good money for that. But I'm, I'm saying maybe let's look at our training and our, and our movement practice and, and train within our value system. And if we're training with our value system, then we're going to actually get to achieving our purpose a lot lot easier, a lot better.
0: That's fascinating. You say that I played basketball growing up and same deal. You make a mistake, you get on the line and you run. And, uh, I, I enjoyed running, but I don't know. I think, uh, there's definitely something to be said about, about that. Um, I just kind of blanked. Let me let me think for a second. I was gonna I was gonna ask you because you started talking about challenges, and so I'm kind of split between two directions. But um, we
1: can be here all day.
0: Good, good. <laughs> I'm glad. So I've in my life had some major failures, some major challenges that in the moment were painful. You could call them. I suffered a little bit here and there, mm-hmm. but looking back on them, they helped me form the person that I am today and gave me the perspective that, like, when I go to the gym, it's the highlight of my day, even though I was at yoga class yesterday, I could say suffering. I was struggling. Like you wouldn't even believe doing these like low, my glutes are just destroyed. Um, but I was enjoying it because I knew that, uh, I don't know, just the blessing of being alive, the blessing of having a a body that's functional. I've not always had that I've had injuries and I know it's not going to last forever. So, um, what are some of the challenges that you've had? And, uh, How have they formed the person that you are today?
1: So you bring up a good point um, about you, you were, you felt blessed in that moment that you were actually going through the struggle, that your body was allowed to take on the challenge. I laugh out
0: loud sometimes. I'll literally be like, ha ha, this is hilarious. I'm at my physical limit. This is all I got. One hundred percent
1: because and I, I that's one key I, I try to get to my uh, get my clients to do is when you're in the moment, um, appreciate what you can do, celebrate what you can do, because even if it's it should be challenging, it's supposed to be challenging training and, and, and uh, is supposed to be challenging, whether it is yoga or whether it's, you know, max deadlift or whatever, training is supposed to be making us better. And, and I'm hoping it's doing that through a connection with our body. And the only, again, the only way we make progress is through challenge. And so, if if you can embrace the challenge and celebrate it, look at what I can do, or at least look at what I can attempt to do, then in the moment you can feel good. So instead of waiting to the end of the workout, you can in that moment just smile to yourself and say, "Look at what what I can do. This is pretty badass." And whether it's um, a, you know, a huge gym uh, PR, or just you being able to move, like you were saying, hey, I'm, I'm actually able to do this after years of stuff that has happened to me. Uh, we should take so many moments that we can, as many moments as we can during our training to celebrate what we're doing. Because that way we're going to feel good in the moment, we're going to enjoy uh, the, the, uh, the process rather than just the outcome. And it's like learning anything else. If learning and exploration and curiosity are passions, which I don't know if they are for everybody. I think they could be and they probably should be. We should be curious. We should be uh, 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 very explorational beings. Um, And if that is in our makeup, then why wouldn't a challenge of movement excite that? look at what I can do. Can I do even more? Um, and so I'm hoping our curious ex- exploratory nature can, uh, be, be focused at like a spotlight onto our actual workouts and that will change everything. And once that happens, it will actually change everything. Um, that's yeah, that's and, why I love that, that was a game changer yeah. for me. Oh, Big game changer for me. Um, and you were talking about what channel asking what challenges I've gone through.
0: Yeah. You've been to jail, you've only been a retina. No, I'm kidding. What, what do you got? <laughs>
1: Yeah, the sixteen years in prison that time. You know, but, um, so I chose early on in my training practice to go against what my body was supposed to do. I'm I'm a, a very average, borderline skinny guy, and I'm supposed to be maybe a middle distance runner, according to society. <laughs> um, I'm supposed to be maybe a rock climber you know, according to society, which, you know, I, I love rock climbing, but early on I said, you know what, I'm going to do what this body's not supposed to do. And I'm going to go into strength competitions. Um, and I started uh, pursuing first in powerlifting and then competitive weightlifting and then strongman and then moss wrestling, of course. And I was often in my competitions, either the lightest or the oldest or both, um, I'd, I don't have a lot of medals from winning a ton, but I did, you know, I'd place once in a while, I'd win once in a while if I was in a category that I could do okay in, it, but that wasn't the goal. The goal was be in that moment and express myself differently than what I'm supposed to do as that skinny guy. Um, and what I discovered was taking that path that this body was not supposed to take according to the fitness industry, um, opened up a whole bunch of very interesting opportunities because when it came back To the stuff that I'm supposed to be able to do, I was actually able to do it better because I was creating this interesting foundation of strength that otherwise wouldn't have been there. Um, In the process of that, uh, I think I learned early on there was, you know, there was an injury here or there early on, but nothing. There was one, one scare where I pulled my back pretty bad. And every and smaller ones along the way of course i mean i've got done this for 26 27 years and so almost as long as you've been alive wow okay that's weird so every one of those steps as and i know you know this lesson uh, if you're wise enough to sit there with it you learn all the lessons you're supposed to learn from it i have this pain now how can i still move what can i do with this body so the pain doesn't come back and how can i create a greater movement practice with this current limitation, and those lessons are um, mind-blowing. So when I started embracing those lessons and, and understanding those lessons and being able to teach those to other people, then I thought, well, how do we learn the lesson without going through the pain first? How do we, how can we learn the lesson without going through the injury first? And and that's been kind of fun, like trying to. Uh, 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 nip it in the bud before anything happens and and there that's a that's a relationship with your body where you learn the limitations and how to push against them but not be stupid about it and mm. so with i will say with age comes wisdom hopefully um, and if you're lifting uh consciously if you're lifting with presence uh, there's the other three P's I talk about in my lifting are be precise, be present, be purposeful. If I'm applying those to my training all the time, if I'm uh, particularly present and and purposeful and, and precise, then I know when something's going to be too much. I can I know ahead of time this might be danger. I can I can see the 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 needle go into the red before something uh, happens. And if I can do that in my training and understand that in my training, then it happens a little automatically a little more automatically when i'm actually doing my movement practice because remember my training is only sliver or the foundation of my movement practice
0: i had this i was you're bringing me back bad memories but also you know lessons that i learned i tried to go for like a set of 20 squats one time i don't remember the weight it was not that much weight but it was just too many reps and i got to like 17 or 18 i felt this like sharp pain in my neck Mm -hmm. and i racked the bar and i literally had this excruciating pain in the back of my head my neck i couldn't even go to class for weeks Mm -hmm. and uh really i haven't done much squatting since then i do some front squats but back squatting heavy i kind of like let that ship sail just because I had, I had literally pushed my body too far, you know? And so where mm-hmm. do you find the line? How, like, how do you, is that something that comes with time and is it a feel purposeful, precise? I, I really like what you're talking about there.
1: Yeah. That's uh, the precise presence and purposeful thing. Um, yes, it does come with time and practice. Uh, there's a, a saying I live by and train by and everything by, or at least I try to, uh, very simple saying, and it sounds almost a uh, glib or, or marketing copy, but it was taught to me by an important person in my life, uh, a famous weightlifter named Tommy Kono, who back in the 50s and 60s was considered one of the greatest in the world. And I got to meet him and, and be friends with him for the last 10 years of his life. I was very honored for that. And one thing he would just say all the time, was that practice makes permanent. And that for me, just nailed it because it did two things first of all it made you ask well what the hell do you want to make permanent there you go with purpose again what is my purpose what am i actually drilling into my body that I want to make permanent and is my practice reflecting that so for instance if I look if I look out I'm gonna pick on burpees again if I watch somebody do burpees chances are they're going to be doing them very sloppy Now, you could replace burpee with anything, bad deadlifts or or squats or pull-ups or whatever. If I'm watching something being done badly, then my question is, what are they making permanent? If that's their practice, then they're making slop or disregard for technique or potential danger permanent. And so, uh, taking that to heart, practice makes permanent, it, it made me really focus on the precise and present and purposeful concept. And everything now is uh, <laughs> all right. Rant time. Something I call step number two. Do um, you ever see South Park? Are you a South Park fan?
0: Yeah, I have red hair. If you can't see, in my entire teenage years was me getting made fun of for being a ginger without a soul because ginger of that without show. A soul. So yeah.
1: <laughs> early on in South Park, one of the early seasons, there were the Underpants Gnomes. And the underpants gnome stole the kids' underwear. And this is all in my book, by the way. I talk about this in my book. Um, and the kids were wondering, why the hell are the, uh, why are the gnomes stealing the underpants? And so they follow the gnomes to their lair, their tree lair, and they ask them, why are you stealing the underpants? And they bust out this chart. And the chart said, step one, uh, steal underpants. Step two, step three, profit. And so they asked, well, what's step number two? And somebody from the back would yell out, step number three, profit. It was just assumed. Step, you know, steal underpants, profit. And I thought that's exactly how people, because I make everything a metaphor for my practice. That's exactly how people uh, see fitness. Work out. Step number one, step number two, step number three, a better you. Oh. It's just supposed to automatically happen. Practice makes
0: perfect, right? Is the phrase that we always are told.
1: Right. And so we're we're we, and we bought, we bought the Kool-Aid and drank the Kool-Aid that somehow just because we're going to the gym, we're better. And yet I've dealt with hundreds of gyms and thousands of people over the years who gym regularly, who aren't necessarily better. They're better at being in the gym, they can do their workout better, but overall they're not necessarily better. Their, their connection with their body is not necessarily better, they're not better people. Um, They're just really good at going to the gym. And so I wondered what step number two was. And uh, without going into huge depth about that, because I have an entire chapter in my book about that, um, it is those three things. If I'm precise, present, and purposeful, then that leads to the connection with my body to take the gym with you so you are getting better. And that was was important. And, And without that step number two, it's not going to happen. And so most programming doesn't address that. Most gym culture doesn't address that. It's just automatically assumed I'm going to be better because I can do this gym stuff. And that's a bummer. And that's where the fitness industry and I parted ways
0: <laughs> many years Fascinating. ago. Fascinating. Fascinating. I listened to a podcast with Alex Hormozy the other day. Have you have you heard that name? No, no. And he, he, I'll send you the podcast Is one of the it was a great episode on the Tom Bilyeu show, but he was he's a um, CrossFit guy that started a bunch of businesses and things like that. But one of the things he said is that if you want to have an uncommon life, you need to have uncommon beliefs. And so I mm-hmm. see you as someone with an uncommon life, <laughs> uncommon life due to your uncommon beliefs. But how did you get there? Did you always have a sense that you were going to go your own direction? Were you a kid that was a rebel? How did you like... St- The real question is, how did you step into the power that you have and that you are as a human today?
1: Uh, Yeah, I started off, I'm going to thank my parents for this one, but I started off, uh, at least in my teen years, I'm going to, you know, thank God for punk rock. Um, (laughs) Music and, and punk culture really got me interested in free thought and thinking for myself. And and my parents really supported that and pushed me in that direction. I remember my my dad and I, my dad was a musician. He was a professional musician his whole life, but he did a lot of jazz and, you know, uh, uh, stuff that I wasn't necessarily associated with to any huge degree. Um, and so he would listen to my music and see what I was doing. And I was listening to this violent, dark stuff. And and he, he would say, you know, you listen to what you want to as long as you keep your hair washed. <laughs> That was it. That was the rules for me, you know, keep my hair washed and, and otherwise be kind. And so that free thought um, enabled me when I started getting into the gym thing, the fitness industrial culture uh, just didn't appeal to me. Because I remember a, a friend of mine, not a friend of mine, a boss of mine, once told me, I, I jokingly, this was back in the early 90s, and I, you know, we're at the we're in the gym, we're working out, and back then this was the thing to say, because it was a stupid catchphrase, and I said, are we having fun yet? And mm-hmm. he looked at me. He says, "No, this isn't fun. If they made a pill for this, people would take it automatically." And that—that that was my boss, a person of supposed authority, telling me that this all was sort of bullshit. And mm-hmm. you know, it, and I thought, well, then why the hell are we here? And that—that that free thought in me said, no, that's not right at all. That's—that's that's not what this is about. And that was a big turning point for me. And then I started realizing, uh, I could see through clear eyes and my free thought started kicking in and my old punk rock ideals started kicking in and I realized whoa this is an industrial complex it is all geared towards creating and therefore selling you something uh based on their terms not yours and so yeah for for 20 uh, some years I've been sort of rallying against the system uh, about 18 years ago I opened my own gym called Body Tribe and I closed it uh during the pandemic, I shouldn't say I closed it. I hit the road and took it with me. Wherever I uh-huh. am happens to be my
0: gym now. But You had I, a physical I, location, but I had now a physical you're... location for, uh-huh.
1: for about 17, 18, 17 years. Okay. And uh, it was unlike any other gym because we did practice things a lot differently. And there was an actual philosophy. Most gyms don't have a philosophy, most gyms borrow ideas from somebody who already created them. CrossFit is nobody in, a cro- in CrossFit who owns a CrossFit is doing their own thing, they're doing somebody else's thing, no matter how they say, oh, we're doing it our way. No, you're not. You've taken somebody else's idea and you've bought it and now you're selling it. Um, same with TRX, same with yoga, same with all these practices. It's a lot of taking other people's ideas and reselling it. Um, I mean, we now believe that that if we're going to do stretching, we're going to have to call it yoga. And we now believe that if we're going to lift heavy things, we have to call it powerlifting. Or if we're going to lift in, in uh, fast for high reps, we have to call it CrossFit. You know, there's we, we have been sold these boxes and limitations and people want to invest in those limitations because we, we love, love tri- investing. Yeah. We, we love, love investing.
0: Associating and we love- with something and then just latching on. <laughs> it's, it's our, it's our quest for tribe. Right. Mm-hmm. And we will,
1: we will invest like, well, like sons of bitches in that tribe. And when we, and the more we invest and you know, you and I, we're not talking about just money. We're talking about emotional and, and uh, time and, and all that stuff. The more we invest, the more the cognitive dissonance builds, Mm. and our bullshit folder, uh, bullshit filter starts to fall away. Mm -hmm. And so, um, because we have to convince ourselves, investment means we have to convince ourselves we're right. We have to. What we're doing is good for us. And so you get somebody who's so invested in their package, in their box, uh, in their in their category. the irony being that they're actually investing in the limitations of that category they're not investing in empowerment um, where a free thinker can come in take from any of those categories put it together on their own terms based on their own value system and their own purpose and use it accordingly and that's what i i try to teach people that's why there's no body tribe certification Um, the body tribe program, if you want to call it, that is actually a fairly loose template. Like if you sign up for my website and you, you know, get the membership, you're going to get this loose template of ideas that I work with you in putting together based on your journey, because that's what I want people to to learn. So when people come to my workshops, I'm not going to tell them how I'm going to show them ideas and get them to think on their own. That's my big goal. Move and think on your own.
0: You know, uh. You really struck a chord with me when you started talking about being a free thinker. For me, uh, critical thinking and being a free thinker has been just enormously powerful for myself and my growth. At 16 years old, I was raised as a catholic you know roman catholic this is the way oh, believe what we tell you you're a uh, the government it, the government has got your back you know there's yep. <laughs> just i started to basically learn that uh things are not always as they seem and so I, I just really love how you're bringing that concept into fitness and strength so how if someone were to ask you why should i be a critical thinker or why should I reevaluate beliefs that I've invested heavily in, in the past? And maybe it's going to be painful to like jump out to a different direction. If you've already put a lot of eggs in that basket, you might be a, you might own a CrossFit gym, you know, and you might come to a place in your life where you realize that that's not aligned with your values or your values might change. So how, how does that play for you and the importance of being a free thinker?
1: I, I, I want to tell people that to be the ultimate teacher if you're a a trainer, um, to be the ultimate teacher is to uh, get people to, um, is to teach people how to learn. And if you're gonna teach people how to learn, you can't be super busy installing um, dogma. And so my goal has always been, let's build a foundation of strength because we wanna look at the world and, and see it's just a big cauldron of possibility. And if we have a foundation to move from, then we can go and try all these things. And so, as a trainer, as a teacher of movement and strength, and notice I put movement first because most trainers don't teach movement; they teach exercise, and they have to understand what the difference between those two are. Um, if we're a teacher of movement and strength, then we need to also be teaching uh, why and and what's what uh, possibilities there are. Um, you know the, the old saying, if if all you have is a hammer, everything's a nail. If you're a power lifter, then you're going to have to believe that the big three, uh, squat bench press and deadlift, are the cure-all for everything. If you're a CrossFitter, you're going to believe that Metcon is the cure-all for everything. When in reality, you should be taking a little bit from both of those. Same with yoga. If you're a yoga teacher, you're going to believe that's the cure-all. No, you take a little bit from that. And if the more you do that, the more possibility you have. And so the, the thing I tell people is, Make better choices now so you have more choices later, because the opposite of that is also true. You make crappy choices now, you have limited less choices later.
0: That's very true. Uh, I used to be, I used to always say like, you never know what you're training for. I kind of said that earlier, but I was um, really interested in getting into documentary filmmaking, especially outdoor documentary filmmaking, and Mm. Uh, You know, I didn't have that. There was never the opportunity on my plate, like, here, go work with Nat Geo and go on this thing. But I'm in the gym thinking to myself, you know, when I get the chance, I need to be physically ready to hold a camera all day and keep up with athletes and people like that. So I had a purpose at that time. Mm -hmm. I want to change directions a little bit and ask you, because it hasn't come up, is um, nutrition and diet. Mm -hmm. And um, I just saw a post today that 40% of major depressive disorders, uh, those people have, insulin resistance Mm -hmm. and we live in this world that is um it's hard to avoid processed foods our health our testosterone levels as men are down 37 percent in the last decade or 15 years or something like that um what where do you guide people in terms of diet or is that maybe secondary to finding purpose and the movement and the diet follows oh no it's hand in hand um, but it's
1: hand in hand in the same way I teach strength and movement. Here's some ideas. How is it going to fit your journey? Um, again, the diet industry is exactly like, uh, the fitness industry. It right. wants to reduce everything to categories. You've got the no fat category. You've got the no carbs category. You know, you've got all these categories. Um, there are last I checked 200 plus thousand diet books on Amazon. Um, <laughs> I saw that. That's a lot yeah. of differing in opinion. <laughs> Cause not everybody's saying the same thing. So what the hell
0: are we supposed to do? And to do something, yeah.
1: But what's 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 funny, sorta, ironic, is that if you start talking to people, they know what eating right is, or they know what at least eating better is. Mm-hmm. Everybody has the understanding of what eating better is. And, you know, step one, less processing in our food. Step two, fruits and veggies are pretty good things. Um, You know, things like that. There's, There's some basic understanding we all have. Like if you were to take somebody into a store and start saying, and tell them, what do you think's good, what do you think isn't? Most people are gonna have at least a pretty good idea. Oh, this stuff over here, pretty good. This stuff over here, not as good. So we almost confuse ourselves so we'll be okay with our choices. (laughs) I mean, Hmm. I think there's like a purposeful baffling of ourselves just so we can throw our hands up and say, well, I don't know anymore. We do know. We do know. Uh, There was a trainer at Body Tribe, Allison, who used to say, uh, eat like a human, not like an American. And I always thought that was pretty accurate. Um, But again, it's a journey just like your movement journey. Figure out your purpose and then start figuring out how you, how to eat. Now, we've, we've come to believe that we're all beautiful little individuals who have our own precious ecosystems, and we do, but they're not that different. Um, they're not so different that I need all these needs that you don't, you know, I need these specialty things that you don't. We're not that way, we've bought into a lot of it. Yes, some people have um, specific dietary needs. Most of us don't. Most of us can just eat better and be wonderful and thrive. And so if we can take what we think we know um, on a foundation level and start applying it, we'll be fine. Um, It's just that we don't want to do that. And like you said, we are bombarded with processed foods. Um, Even if you go into a grocery store, I mean, I'm not even talking convenience store. If you go into any corner convenience store or gas station, yeah, there's, there's nothing good there. So, but you go into a grocery store and even in a grocery store, it's still maybe 20% healthy stuff. I mean, if you take the produce section and compare it to all the other sections of the store, um, it's, it's going to be greatly reduced. And, you know, I, I talk about how Whole Foods, their initial goal was to try to create a store that was uh, mostly good stuff. Um, whether they succeeded or not is, is very debatable, but... We, we, unless we're going strictly to a farmer's market or something like that, the chances are there's going to be way more bad choices than good. So that is, and it's tough, and, and, and we're going up against an industry whose purpose for purpose and goal is to make us want to eat them. And mm-hmm. so we're going. If if you like a potato chip, that's because they spent decades and millions and billions of dollars of research to get you to like that potato chip. And, and that's, how do we fight against that? It is tricky. And so I, I get it, we're overwhelmed by, by the crap. Um, so we might need to just step back, uh, limit ourselves in terms of um, access to that stuff. I, I mean, that's how I do it. I have a horrible sugar tooth. Me too. <laughs> so the only thing I do is I just don't bring it in my home. Yeah. And I mean, that's, it's tricky. So I talk about this in, in one of my videos. Uh, in life i love balance and balance for me is grrr, balanced with ah where you go you push your limits and then you back way off and you and you do both of those enough that you find balance for me though eating is not that way eating is moderation and that's a big difference moderation and balance are not the same thing i don't want to live life in moderation not at all i want to go see what's out there and explore but when it comes to eating and we want to remain healthy thriving individuals I think moderation is where it's at. Live your life in balance, have your eating in moderation. How about sleep? What's your approach to sleep? Everybody needs more. (laughs) Everybody needs more. Um, I'm a fan of naps. Long live the nap. Uh, Me too. I'm I'm so glad that I don't uh, work a steady nine to five anymore. And I really um, respect people who can schedule it in their lives. I'm too strange and chaotic and wound up where, uh, I like naps. I like, I love sleeping in. I just never get to do it. Um, being a dog owner, it's just never going to happen. Um, yeah, I'm looking at you. Um, and so, uh, it's, it's an underrated part of our life and I think we should enjoy it more. Uh, I, I don't want people watching, the videos of those, you know, alpha jocks who say, I only sleep four hours a night. My mentor was that way, a guy named Mel Sift, who was a, a crazy strength practitioner, guru, smart, brilliant, genius guy. He would sleep two to three hours a night. And I I would stay with him for periods of time and it was just crazy. And he died of a heart attack. So I want people to maybe not do that. You know, get your rest. The, the problem is we, we live in a culture where we have to wake up with an alarm. That's a bummer. Um, If we could change the work week, where we focus more on being productive rather than being busy, we could
0: we could actually sleep more. Being effective, productive versus busy, very very different things. Output Mm -hmm. is not correlated with time. Is something Mm -hmm. that you learn as an entrepreneur, because you can you know there's that 80 20 rule where 80% of the work gets done in 20% of the time. Mm -hmm. So why Uh, not just focus? Why not focus on that 20% and then then go nap? No, i love it kobe bryant used to always say um when you're tired rest you know yeah it's pretty simple so i actually I, I just can't help myself and also um you brought it up that you closed your gym during covid was that due to um outside pressures that were outside your control so
1: mm, sort of yeah california was really strict about Guidelines for gyms to the point where they would visit you and fine you if you were doing it wrong. Now the way I train and the way I teach, it's a very, um, it's a very tribal experience. I do these groups of people. We're very interactive with each other. Um, We move in ways that we can't restrict ourselves to a little 10 by 10 cube. I saw gyms that put up these plastic walls and you'd go into your little cube. What the (laughs) so. No, we, we don't do that. We, we we used up all the space up and down and left and right and we interacted with each other and we were, we were a tribe. And to take that away from us um, just sort of ruined the experience for everybody involved. And as much as I wanted to keep training, keep people moving, I thought I can put my stuff online. I can communicate with people where they can do their own thing. Um, also, I've got a a mother who's 85 years old, who lives in North Carolina, who, who I don't visit enough, and there's not enough family around her right now. And I thought, why don't I take this time to go reconnect with family, um, still connect with my gym folks, but in a different way, unfortunately. And uh, so yeah, I just shut the doors and, and uh, hit the road. And I've been on the road ever since. I, I spent some time with my mom, spent some time uh, with various other folks, uh, my girlfriend in Texas, um, travel around, teach workshops, And that's my life now for two and a half years.
0: I can't wait till your your journeys make it up to the Pacific Northwest, man. We're gonna have a good. good I was just in Oregon for like a month and a half,
1: so I'll come. I'll be back probably in uh, February, February or March.
0: Very cool. Yeah, it's um, you you know, we talk about free thinking, and the I I I like to articulate the importance of free thinking is because it's I'm. Not of the mind that ignorance is bliss. I would rather know the hard truth than uh, be just kind of like happy and ignorant. Yeah. And in the last couple years, that the passive approach to looking at what's going on on the macro level in the world just doesn't really seem to work. If, for example, in your situation, or if you're if you're a yoga studio owner, gym owner in New York or California, and you just thought that you could do your your practice and it's all going to work out and you weren't thinking about the higher level and how that might play into it you know that Mm -hmm. could have been a big screw or a big um what do they say like a nut in the machine or something like that it's not the right not the right term um but do you like I guess talk a little bit about how you see your practice Improving people's lives and how they relate to the world and how they see themselves in this world because there's a lot of uncertainty, there's a lot of challenge. Uh, stress is a is a common word that people bring up, but how does how how does how do your clients, how does your tribe, um, maybe have a little bit different approach to seeing the world? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it, again, one, it completely comes down to purpose. Um, once you define purpose and and continue to define it like I mentioned, it's something we're always we're always doing. Um, then you have a, you have a, a, a greater purpose, a greater goal for your training. Uh, if I'm training to get my biceps bigger, um, okay, what happens when they do get bigger? Great. now what? I'm still a miserable human being. <laughs> mm-hmm. But if I train, Uh, I'll do the same exact bicep curl, and I'll get the same exact kind of strength results from it, but in my case, or in my client's case, it's to create uh, the strength of that muscle and that joint to then be able to uh, connect better with building other skills, maybe pulling stuff, maybe lifting stuff, maybe carrying stuff, to ultimately serve the bigger purpose of life uh you know usefulness uh, what i talked about uh, protection provide play um so that bicep curl same exact bicep curl can have two completely different directions one that's actually leading to fulfillment in its in its way and the other that's leading to you looking better in the mirror but having no connection with your body no more connection with your body at that point um so that's why honestly I, i'm not too concerned about which movements we're going to do. Um, my whole goal is to build skills. And so I can steal from anybody. I can steal from yoga, and I can steal from powerlifting, and I can steal from CrossFit, and I can steal from wherever, uh, as long as those things support the skills I'm trying to build. Um, we have basic skills of just being able to get up and down, or being able to pull ourselves up on something, or be able to pick something up. To th- Those are the foundation skills that lead to the advanced skills of what the hell you want to do do you want to go climb a mountain do you want to go uh take care of your family do you want to be able to just go out and do anything so my goal is instead of working on um you know i'm not building muscle yeah we're gonna we're we are going to we are going to build muscle but um that's not the, the the goal is not to be a muscle builder the goal is to build muscle to be a skill builder and so i have this little higher not even a hierarchy it's it's sort of that's sort of a pyramid we're we're, we're always working on skill So, to get better at those skills, we're practicing movements. And to get better at those movements, we got to build muscles, which is why I don't think anybody's too many people are very complete in their programming. I know a lot of people love to work on their movements and they do their flows and they do their animals or they do their yoga or whatever, but they don't touch a weight. And then you got the people who are just so into the strength, what they call strength, lifty, 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 get the muscle bigger, biggie, um, that they're not understanding how to apply that to movement. Well, I think you need all of it. I think you need to know what the movements are and be able to strengthen the muscles to help strengthen those movements because that's what strength is, to be able to strengthen the skills. Mm. And So skills at the top. Yeah. There's fundamental skills that we're always working on in the gym, and if we're working on those fundamental skills, it gives us the basis to be able to try the bigger life skills. Um, I I like that my clients – from going through a program, they're gonna have a confidence of trying more things. That's, remember, the going back to being exploratory, being the curious human being who wants to learn more. Um, that's the goal, to look at the world and go, what the hell can I do out there? And I want people to have that actual experience where they walk outside and go, wow, look at all this stuff I can play on. Can I lift that, can I get over that, can I go under that, can I go through that, can I, can I do those things? Um, that way, we stop being, so focused on sports, sports, sports. I love sports, I love playing sports, but that's, again, just an outcome of my skill building. But ultimately, I want everything to be possible. Sports are great, but what about all these other things we can do? It's a big world, right. big, playful, great recess out there. It's just a big playground, let's go enjoy it.
0: I love it. I heard you actually on another podcast talking about how childhood sports kind of do us wrong, in Ooh, a way, yeah. and how maybe touch on that for a moment.
1: Well, when we're in our teens, we're given two opportunities to continue playing. As a kid, we play, right? We, we
0: go to our friend's house. I don't know what kids are doing these days, but when I grew up. TikTok. You, yeah. When I grew no, I'm up. I'm not even kidding. I was at the gym the other day and there was 14 guys in there taking their shirts off in the gym, taking photos of each other. Was, no one was lifting weights. Like I, It was wild. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, they were doing bench press. What am I saying? Yeah, of course. Bench and raps
1: press raps. and bicep curls. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, it, it, back in my day, we'd go to our friend's house and knock on the door and say, "Hey, do you want to come out and play?" And you know, we we'd play. We we'd leave at some point in the morning, and then at some point in the evening, hopefully, we'd come back home. You know, I was we just go play. Uh, my friend Dave Hall, my good friend Dave Hall, the Alabama Sasquatch. He likes to say that now the the the, the boundaries are much smaller. As a child, we had more boundaries back in the 70s and the 80s. So I'm not sure what the kids' boundaries are these days. But um, when you hit your teenage years, we have two options when it comes to play. You either stop or you play sports. Um, otherwise, it's childish. Mm-hmm. You, don't, you, don't, you don't go to your friend's house and ask to come out and play as a 14-year-old. Um, right. And so you either quit and hang out in the bleachers and smoke pot like I did my freshman year in high school. Um or you play a sport, and once you start playing a sport, then play becomes about win at all costs, right? Which destroys the idea of play for 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 the rest of your life. I know people who played high school sports who are broken physically and broken in terms of connection with their body because that route can really screw you up in understanding what movement and strength actually is, and so that's a bummer. Um, so my big goal as a trainer is to reconnect us with the childlike concept of play, where we look at the world and go, oh, can I do that? Can I do that? Can I do that? Let's let's go knock on a friend's door and go, hey, you want to come out and play?
0: Mm. The other thing is when you're a teenager, you're looking for identity. You're looking to find who you are. And yeah. so sports, if, yep. especially if you're decent at them, it's it's you get a lot of encouragement. You yep. get... You know the girls are saying, "Oh, who's the best player on the team? Oh, wow! You know he's on the starting starting lineup." You know, Mm -hmm. and so you get a lot of uh, social clout, if you will, from your performance on the on the court or whatever it might be. When I was, it was kind of I won't go down the whole story, but I was on the varsity basketball team as a freshman. Pretty pretty rare. I was like as the same height as I am now at 15 years old, and I was almost as athletic as I am now. And senior year, I was not, I was cut from the team, not due to my skill, but due to my off-court shenanigans and just bad attitude Mm -hmm. and bad relationship with the coach. And so I had to redefine and basically like completely, I I had basketball was my life for years and years and years. And then it was just like a void. And it was like, what am I going to do? Same thing with you. I'm going to meet up with my buddies. I'm going to smoke weed. And by the time I got to college, I was 142 pounds and just like a little scrawny little kid, you know. Um, and still, you know, I'm still trying to find that identity. And I'm not, not a scrawny little kid anymore. But. Well,
1: imagine what, ha- what would happen if you kept playing sports, if somebody keeps playing sports through college. They're lucky enough to get into college sports. They hit 24, 25 years old they don't, they're not going to play professionally. Most people aren't going to play professionally. Then what? Where does their identity go? Mm-hmm. Their, their whole entire movement identity was as a sports athlete. And then they spend the rest of their lives not connected with themselves, wondering, you know, how do I do that? How do I get that back? And so they've had four, five, six, seven, eight years, maybe longer if you start sports at a really young age of um, learning regimented Lack of free thought, completely um, limited movement practice. And so by the time they're in their twi- late 20s and get into their 30s, um, the practice makes permanent. What have they made permanent with their body? You know, we'd like to say, oh, athleticism, Hmm. tension patterns, ideas about movement, all these things that actually limit how we relate to our body. That's a bummer. Adult athletes often need to be, <laughs> I hate to use the term, but re-educated about how they move and how they uh, think about movement
0: yeah the condition like i I, we talked about it we had another episode on on this podcast about unraveling social conditioning and uh how do you do that when you it's hard to even identify what conditioning has overcome like it's hard to see it from the inside from the inside of the storm or whatever any advice on uh tips or approaches to trying to identify and unravel a little bit of maybe what we've been conditioned to think and do
1: Again, I would I would start asking questions like uh, uh, the first one is you know what do I value, and are my practices reflecting my value, and that could be that could be training or that could be movement or that could be anything, you know if I value uh, respect appreciation and love but I'm in the maybe I'm a, a defense lawyer who's getting off some really you know crappy people then no I don't I'm not practicing anything reflecting my values so what do you value are are your practices reflecting that and then again define either something define fitness define strength define a term that's important to you um, and really define it ask yourself why it's important and is that actually what you're practicing and it, it, it you have to ask yourself some questions and you have to be willing to answer those questions from an honest place which is really hard to do
0: very hard to do asking yourself, uh, the thing that uh, I was writing about recently is like, what do you you really want in life? You know, because we pursue, I've, in the last couple of years, I've spent a disproportionate amount of my time working on my professional growth or my um, video editing skills or whatever it might be, only to find that one day the company I was working for, and you know, it was actually a blessing in disguise. The whole company blew up and I was laid off and it was was, um, just kind of an eye-opening thing that You just, you never want to put all your eggs in one basket, if that makes sense. Like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, or let someone else control your own destiny. And so I've, I've just been gravitating towards like trying to be my own boss and create my own life. That's not reliant to the maximum extent as possible on somebody else judging me or liking me or, uh, giving me permission to do something. Um, well, you asked, you asked the question,
1: um, you know, what do I want to yourself? Um, I, I I think I would phrase it: What am I passionate about? Mm. Um, then I then I find though that some people actually don't define don't connect with a passion. But you know what everybody can do is everybody can appreciate. So then you can ask: Well, what do I appreciate? You know, passion and appreciation aren't the same thing. But we can all um, passion is like extreme appreciation, I guess. But we can all yeah. appreciate even if we're not passionate people. So what do I appreciate? And is my path taking me towards those things?
0: And for me, it's like it sometimes seems frivolous to gravitate towards something just due to passion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sometimes I question: Am I spending too much time listening to politic podcasts? Should I learn less about the wars in the Middle East and more about sales? You know, or whatever. <laughs> you know, something that's going to move the needle a little bit more. Um, so I, I appreciate the encouragement to to look towards. I just. What uh, you're, I just bought a new drone. Like I just nice. hit
1: clicked on click. I just clicked on the button to buy it just a few minutes a before this podcast. Yeah, I, I'm getting the the newest FPV drone they put out. Oh, that's awesome. Because I don't know anything about FPV, but I love droning and I love filming. Yeah. And so, I'm I'm watching my finger just go. You know, it's saying that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. But like you're saying, I'm going to allow myself to do that right now. Um, and not worry about do I have to be doing all this other stuff sometimes I have to do something um, for me (laughs) and that that's going to be for me I love doing stuff for my tribe that's ultimately what I do everything for is for my tribe and that's my passion this one's for me (laughs) and I'm gonna do it for me Um, uh, but that's you know that's part of the play if my purposes are um, provide protect and play then yeah, sometimes we gotta play. That's a huge part of it, and I we forget yep. we forget to play sometimes. Totally, totally. We get too serious with ourselves sometimes. Mm. I, this, this thing I wrote in my book a long time ago was, uh, I take my silliness far too seriously to be bothered by your silly seriousness.
0: That's a good one. I gotta break that down and think about that. But that's awesome. Your silliness comes through in your content and your personality. I really respect how you you bring so much energy to what you create are you the sole creator uh do you have any team behind you editing these videos doing the thumbnails like i know what goes into making youtube videos and building a channel it's it's no joke so it's a,
1: it's, it's i i want a team someday i'll have a team but the problem is i don't storybook anything when i film i generally have a, an idea like i'm gonna talk about rah, rah, rah. Or I'm going to do this workout. Rah, rah, rah. And, and it's always, you know, you've seen a few. I, I will I will do some workout stuff. I'll do some movement stuff. But I'll, there's also a lot of ranting involved. There's a lot of philosophy involved. That's the big thing. And I try to make it entertaining because it's YouTube. And, you know, people aren't watching me for a documentary. They're watching me for um, uh, hopefully entertaining education. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's jump cutty and there's graphics and stuff. That's all me. And it's hard to do that with a team because I have no idea what the end product is going to look like. It's, right. it's, I film a bunch of stuff. I film uh, an hour, sometimes more worth of stuff. And then my I throw it all on the computer and go, how am I going to turn this into 10 or 12 minutes? And how am I going to make that entertaining? And so it takes me hours. Oh, be, I know. Mostly <laughs> because, yeah, I mean, you, you're an editor. Mostly because I don't quite know where it's going. And so, um, I have, you know, I, I have to look up all the graphics myself. I'm, I'm not, a, I don't do VFX much at all. Cause I don't know how I'm just, I just got some new plugins. I'm really excited about, you
0: know, so it's, it's Are you all in premiere?
1: uh, final cut,
0: final cut. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the other day I spent literally six hours figuring out how to do a motion graphic title that follows an object on a video. So like the title comes in and then it moves a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, dude, I, I don't know if that was a good use of my time, but yeah, it was no, kind of like I had to. So just today, we're going off topic because
1: this is fun. Just today I got a new plugin that does that sort of thing with drone shots. Where it, okay. where it sets up uh, titles that can move wherever the drone shot does. It's really cool. It okay. self-tracks itself. It's amazing. And, yeah, I spent two hours learning how to do that. I'm still just barely, you know, unwrapping the damn thing. So. Um,
0: oh, you have the drone?
1: Yeah. Oh, well, I have. I've, I already have two drones.
0: Okay. I'm no. building a fleet.
1: This That's my first drone I called my midlife crisis. It was either, you know, I don't buy a cor I don't want a Corvette. I want a drone. And so I'm on my third drone now.
0: When my girlfriend and I last spring, I don't know if I even should say this, but whatever, I, we broke up for a week and I found myself buying an electric motorcycle. And now <laughs> I've got this monthly payment on this electric motorcycle and it's freaking cold outside. Loved it all summer, obviously, but it was kind of one of those same deals, like mid mid uh, breakup crisis, I just need something. yeah. And uh, we, d- we do that, man. Retail therapy sometimes, yeah, it's absolutely. not really fulfilling. <laughs> I think this one will be because it is part, thankfully it is part of my
1: overall practice, you know, in making videos, I do a lot of drone shots and I have a lot of fun with drones. And and so, um, this will actually play into that thankfully, but still (laughs) it's scary hitting that little pay now button.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, Chip, I'm going to wrap it up, man. If, if you've got any other final words, um, any final words of wisdom, Please share them, but where else can we follow you, find you? Uh, the YouTube channel is Body Tribe. Yeah, Body highly Tribe recommend.
1: on YouTube. I'm Body Tribe Chip everywhere else, Instagram okay. and Twitter. Not Twitter. I don't do Twitter. TikTok. <laughs> once oh, you on TikTok. Once in a while, I actually do TikTok. I hate, cool. I hate uh, vertical video and I hate short-form content, but um, if it steers people tor- towards my YouTube, then I'll do it.
0: Well, respect. You got an open mind, a free thinker, so you'll, you'll <laughs> still, still do it. All right, Chip. Well, thank you so much, and uh, appreciate you, man. Until we're in person, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But this was beyond awesome, and uh, I'm fired up. Yeah, so thanks, thank you. For thanks sharing for chatting. So with good me. Stuff.
1: Thanks for chatting with me. I appreciate it.